This is Morgan Michael, welcoming you to Kindsight 101, the podcast where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness, together by challenging our assumptions and venturing beyond the status quo in education, we can make a big impact, one small act at a time. Oh, I'm so excited about this episode today. You are in for such a treat. I have Dr. Jody Carrington for a third time, actually, and she's here to talk about her amazing new book, Teachers These Days, and we actually talk a little bit about my new book, From Burnt Out to Fired Up. This was actually recorded in the summer, and I guess I was practicing some self-care and pacing myself a little bit in a very busy couple of months doing my master's and other things, releasing my own book. So this has been in the hopper for a little while. I think that the themes and topics that we discuss around the pandemic, around taking care of yourselves, around realistic expectations of parenting has never been more relevant than today as we are faced with, what is it, the fifth wave of this virus and online learning once again and it just feels like it's a a really tough time in many respects and a really important time to dig in. So without further ado, I want to welcome you back to the podcast with one of my favorite guests ever, Dr. Jody Carrington. You can find her work on drjodycarrington.com. She has written Kids These Days, a game plan for reconnecting with those we teach, lead, and love. And then her second book, Teachers These Days, has just been released and it was co-written with Lori McIntosh, who is one of the most incredible kindergarten teachers out there. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, and one more thing. If you're feeling stuck, frustrated, or feeling a little burnt out, or like you just can't quite reach your expansive goals, I want you to check out my new book, From Burnt Out to Fired Up. Reigniting Your Passion for Teaching, available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and just about anywhere you get your books. It's actionable, it's research-based, and it will transform your life and practice. Through my five hours framework, you'll learn to reflect, reframe, refocus your goals, reconnect with those around you, and reveal the truest expression of who you are as an educator and as an individual. Just search Morgan Michael from Burnt Out to Fired Up. That's Morgan Michael, M-O-R-G-A-N-E, from Burnt Out to Fired Up to reserve your very own copy today. You can do the book at your own pace or snag a bunch of copies for a staff room book club. The practices are meant to be shared. And if you're looking for inspiring lessons or daily inspirations for yourself, search Small Act Big Impact in Google for my website and for my Instagram pages. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, Dr. Jody Carrington, for the third time. Let's and go. Yeah, let's do this. So you this is the first podcast I ever did. You know that? <gasps> Are you serious? No, I didn't yeah. know that. Like when I you first didn't asked know me that. in your podcast, I called Lori McIntosh. I was like, who's this Morgan Michael? And <laughs> she's like, okay, first of all, her name is not Morgan. And I was like, well, probably. And she's like, she's so awesome. She does this hindsight thing. It's like amazing. And I was like, Oh, and I was so nervous. You were, Oh my gosh. What? That's crazy. Listen to you. Okay. Seriously though. I was saying, actually, I was saying this to one of my besties. I was saying, I was lucky enough to see your manuscript before the, of the first book of kids these days, before it was 
in print. I think it was just at that final PDF, like where my book is right now. You sent me like the markup version that was about to go out and I got to read it. Like I got to read it before it was out, out. And then look at that, like your trajectory, like it's unbelievable to have seen your journey. So I feel honored for sure. I feel so honored. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I can't, let's go. Yeah. Let's let's do this. So your book teachers these days, um, I was so delighted to get my copy the other, I think it was like a week and a half ago or something and devoured it. Obviously it was beautiful, touching, made me cry, made me laugh. I love that it has just the right amount of spicy words in there, um, which makes me happy. And, um, yeah, and there are just so many themes. And I guess for the purposes of this, this is kind of, I've been shortening my podcast a little bit just to be more like in depth and then bite size, right? Because yes. I think people, yes. yeah, I think people really respond to that. So they don't have time. They don't, they don't, they have just enough time on their commute, right? So I think for me, yes. what really stood out is your theme, particularly around connection and reconnection. And I, I want to start with this idea. I think you said that connection is easy, but the reconnecting is what's the tougher part. And I, I don't know if that's exactly how you said it, but something along those lines. And I want to dive into that a little bit because lots of us educators are pretty good at that, the, the connecting piece, but it's about the reconnection. And, and what does that mean? What does it mean? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are so shitty at reconnection and I'm just learning that more and more and more as we step into this, you know, feeling like a civil war. I don't know what it feels like sort of right now in your place, but I'll tell you right now, there is such a divisiveness on every possible sort of, I think, ideal out there right now. Sort of like, um, thank you, Mark, truth and reconciliation, um, masking, vaxxing, schools open and closed, um, should we be flying? Like what, like all of the things. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that we often say, like, I've, I've said this for years, I've, I've created a platform around connection, which I really love, which is really lovely. And like, oh, let's all connect, which I still believe is the fan, most fantastic thing. But the hardest thing to do is to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can go, it's easy to go on your second date. You can connect, no problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Try going on a date after 15 years of marriage and three kids on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. When you, it's easy to wave at your neighbor. It's easy to buy coffee for the person behind you, but try to go grab the friend, the hands of your, you know, your longtime friend who you haven't spoke to in two years because you had a massive falling out Mm. or sitting with a colleague who is so adamant that this baby is a manipulative attention seeking liar. Yes. How do you sit with that person and reconnect Mm. over the the blowout you had in a staff meeting? Totally. Or your kid gets bullied at school uh, or at hockey rink. This happened to me last week. Uh, my Asher came home and he just said to me, Hey, um, this kid in the dressing room told me he was going to break my fucking shins if I sat by him. Now he's, my son is um, 11 mm-hmm. and this kid was 13. And I, of course, like, here's the thing. I didn't want to ever reconnect with this kid. I assumed that for the rest of my days in this town, that every time I would see that kid, potentially even coach him, I would just, like kill him softly with my death glare. (laughs) And instead I called his mom. I texted his mom who I've never met before. And with a very soft opener around, Hey, do you think we could jump on a call together? I think my kid, I just want to make sure my kid wasn't being a dick to you or kid. That's Mm. how I opened it. Mm. Because I didn't know what would provoke this, you know, in this baby, Mm. we had the best conversation. This mom was so phenomenal. She's like, I cannot believe that my son said those words. And I'm so Mm. grateful you told me. And so 
do you know, I was sitting in the Costco parking lot looking on team snap to see if I can find this mom's number, mm-hmm. like throwing up in my mouth, going like, this is, I'm going to be that mom. I'm going to be that mom. I'm so, no, you don't, you don't, you kids figure out their own problems. You don't step in and solve all of these problems. Why would you call Like if somebody ever called you and I was like, no, if you know what, if, if somebody came to me and said, you know, your son said these words, mm. I would absolutely want to know it. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. my first response would be, and we heard this mom and I, who now I want to drink wine with for the rest of my days, <laughs> said to me, my first reaction was, well, what the hell did Asher say to him? She said, mm-hmm. that's what I thought in my head, mm-hmm. right? And I said, I'm so glad you said that because that is the first reaction. Yes. It, that we should be protective over our own babies, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's like, I think evolutionary, so don't be scared of the fact that you should be defensive. First of all, it's what you do with that, mm-hmm. that dictates the connection in communities. So it's really about, I guess that's a long winded answer to this. So I'm sorry to this question, which is um, connection is the easy part and we need more of it. If you can only do that in these moments, uh, God bless, go hard, do all the things do, like buy coffee for the guy behind, behind, like do the things, but know that I think that the healthiest people on the planet learn the skill of reconnection. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that story. Cause it brings it to life too. And I think there's like that whole, I don't know, it's scary to, um, also have the honesty too, like the curious approach and then the honesty around this, this didn't feel right for me and being able to in, maybe not investigate it, but yeah, have at her with some curiosity in your heart too. I think that's the difference between you coming in hot <laughs> and, um, her being receptive. And then there actually being some kind of a I don't know if there was a repair, but I'm guessing there was some way to move forward, which I think is everything. It's everything. It's like, so how can do I we tell you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you. She texted me the next morning and, uh, you know, spoke to her, her son and came back with a long text message and just said, you know, I want you to know that my husband and I take this very seriously. Mm. We've sat down. Um, and our son, you know, I live in a house of boys. She said, and usually an apology sounds like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. she said we wrote an apology letter and he would like to give it to Asher today. Wow. And so I, I eat this 13 year old kid comes up at hockey practice, gives him in the snow. And then this mom who I've never seen before finds me at the hockey rink and introduces herself. And I was like, hi, you, you know, like you're kind of like, old dude, so and she just like, I'm so grateful that, you know, we had this opportunity she said, because I got to tell you my, my oldest son quit hockey. Um, he skated off the ice after, you know, some boys called him fat and told him he shouldn't have been there. And she said, I wish I would have done this for him. Wow. Okay. And wow. I was like, oh, mom, you know? Yeah. And I just said to her, I don't know if you know how amazing you are. Like, mm. thank you for this gift mm. because I just, I mean, I, I, I bawled tears when I, you know, got your text message that you were receptive to this conversation and that I wasn't losing my mind and that, that we can do this. And that I just hope that other moms in this community, other dads in this community, other cookums and aunties, you know, come to me. Yeah. Not if, but when mm. my kids are assholes, because that's their current job. Right. Is to lose their minds and somebody to walk them home. Yes. And when we are in a position of educators, I mean, I mean, this is what I love about teachers is, you know, I'm not a K to 12 educator. Uh, I couldn't do your job. I think you're a hero. My favorite part is when I deliver my children to you because (laughs) I like, I'm not a fan of kids any like period, but (laughs) I think that educators have no idea how critically important they are in this process of walking kids home. And it has nothing to do with literacy and numeracy. Hmm. It has nothing to do with lesson plans and curriculum and outcomes. And are those things important? Oh my gosh. Those will fall into place once you recognize your biggest superpower just to walk babies through hard things. Hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. it. 
Mm. And when you do that, oh my gosh, they rise and they walk through walls for you and they, you know, skate harder than you've ever seen them skate. And they will give you everything. If they got an IQ of 54, uh, (laughs) they will give you every ounce of their 54. Right. I love that. Yeah. I I think it's great. Right. And and it's like, and that's probably all as teachers, anybody can handle right now. Yeah. It's just like, listen, the bar's low. (laughs) You do not have to be great right now. Right. And in fact, like it's always been low, the best educators on this planet were really one thing. They were kind. Mm, I love that. And I think that's a piece, like, I think that's where we get into comparison and we, we get into sort of this compliance mindset where everybody needs to be doing the same thing. And we're comparing ourselves to whatever the Instagram feed or the hallway bulletin board. And I think deep down, it's really about, are we connecting with our students? And also I think, and this is where your book goes into it quite a bit is how are we replenishing ourselves and how are we getting to a place where we invite like joyfulness and that energy from which we can pull all of the goodness that we need in order to reach them, right? Like that's where it comes from. So you talk a little bit about, about bringing joy into our lives and, and why is that like important? And why do you think, why do you think it's so hard for us? Well, a couple of things. I think what I'll answer first about that is that like, you know, I know even in your new book, it, it's really talking about the burnout. And I think when I, when I spoke, when I wrote kids these days and when Lori and I wrote teachers these days, we really focused first on um, the kids, mm-hmm. right? What does emotional regulation mean? What does that look like? Because I think we're making a big mistake right now. And just saying to teachers, just practice self-care, mm-hmm. right? Here's how you're going to rise. Here's how you're going to do that. Right. Let's not stop. Let, let's not fix it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's really acknowledge the fact that you should be exhausted, Mm -hmm. that this career isn't one where you will feel like Mary Poppins (laughs) 99% of the time. Like this is actually the work. Okay. Even COVID aside, you, I mean, have you ever met anybody in your career who steps into June going like, whoa, (laughs) I am coming out of June. I mean, I think about this with educators all the time. I'm like, do you know that June comes the same time every year? Like are Mm you, You've been doing this for like, I don't know, whatever, 15, 26 years. And you're like, I'm so tired in June. And it's like a surprise. It is a surprise. You just don't know how much more tired you can get. (laughs) Well, it feels like labor. You know what I mean? You're like, when you're in it, you're like, oh, fuck, I remember this part. And then in the beginning, you're like, should we have another one? Yeah. (laughs) No. So it's like, it's, it's not a surprise. But the thing is, it's like, how do we acknowledge normalize, Mm. hold space for the fact that you are doing some of the holiest work on the planet. That if we don't talk about the cost of emotional regulation, if we don't, of of holding other people's dysregulation, yeah? Mm -hmm. If we don't talk about the cost of, I mean, as you know, Freudenberger came up with the term burnout in 1974, okay? And this isn't new. It wasn't specific to teachers. It wasn't specific to physicians. It was specific to people who do, uh, who stepped into professions that had high ideals, which basically, if you want to be good in any of the professions that you step into, you will ascribe to high ideals. Yeah? <laughs> Burnout was seen as a function of three things start to happen. You get emotionally exhausted. You are, you start to lose your compassion and you get into this place where you just kind of like your give a shitter is broken. Okay. So this, <laughs> this idea, like you just sort of like, you know, um, everything feels futile. So why am I doing it anyways? Right. Yeah. You're leaving a three fuck it, me too. Like, okay. So that's what burnout is. And so when you look at burnout, it's like, then where do you think creativity is? If you think about those things, if you're exhausted and you've lost your compassion and it feels futile, no matter you, it's, you, you can't do enough when you have those three things, mm-hmm. where's innovation? 
Mm-hmm. Where's creativity? Where's the idea of let's just try this one more thing with this babe. Oh, let's get this mom. Who's a, such a broken woman. Like mm-hmm. none of their, that, that is off the table. Okay. Yeah. So we try to fix burnout and here's the step that we miss. We need to acknowledge it first. Mm-hmm. Uh, our indigenous peoples have taught this. Eh? When you are acknowledged, you will rise. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is exhausting work. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be frolicking at the end of the day into your car. Like, Whoa, I'm a teacher. <laughs> you should be tired because you are holding tiny humans, big emotions. You are walking home with the staff who have done no work on their own trauma histories. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time mm-hmm. you are being led by te- by people who were good teachers, not mm-hmm. necessarily good leaders. Those mm-hmm. are two very different things, okay? And in the institution of education, what we have is people rise to the role of leadership with no, without necessarily, not necessarily being a great leader. They were good with kids. Hmm? Right. But there's right. not a lot of training around how do you lead a staff, not yes. be a good teacher and then turn into yes. a principal. Sure. But how do you hold the hearts of your staff and not give a shit about the kids? Because that is who the best leaders are in education. Right. They recognize that it is no longer about the children. It must be about their staff. Yes. So when they get eye contact with staff, when they are bringing in charcuterie boards, when they are acknowledging their exhaustion in November, Mm -hmm. eh? in September, Mm -hmm. look at me, look at me. I see it. Tell me, tell me more. What Mm -hmm. is the hardest part? I got it. I hear you. What do you need? Mm -hmm. What am I missing? What can I do to help? The kids are irrelevant. (laughs) All right. So. How, how do we, because the kids don't stand a chance. The big people are not okay. Mm-hmm. So it's really this idea, I think about, um, you know, this, this reconnection in teams, in big people again and again and again, and then, then, and only then can we start to feel the joy. Mm. So one of my biggest takeaways, I think, and I, and I think I wrote it in teachers these days, Kate, where I heard a teacher say to me this one time uh, when I, I often ask this, when I started to talk back before COVID, I would say, tell me why you got into this business, right? So I'd walk up and down the aisles and I would say that, you know, all these educators who really didn't want to be at the stupid PD, <laughs> why did you get into this business? Who mm-hmm. inspired you? Was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Was it a, your mama? Like, who was it that said, that inspired you to be this teacher? And um, th- I remember I was in a little classroom of this really broken team. I'd been asked to come in and meet with this team who were like trying to teach a bunch of grade seveners anyway and they were all fighting amongst themselves and this one person says to me she's like i i'll tell you why i became a teacher i said tell me she said when i was in grade six i had been in two different foster homes and i would be at school early every morning i said really why she said because i would stand outside the staff room door i said what do you mean she said it was the only place in my life that i heard laughter wow and she said now that was 18 years ago so she said when they would open the staff room door smoke would billow out (laughs) And people would be, people would be just pissing themselves and you couldn't allow, you weren't allowed to go in there. I mean, still not right. This is a sacred place for, for the big people. And so she said, but I just so desperately thought I want a piece of that. Wow. I want to be a part of that family. Wow. And it's, it stayed with me so much. So obviously that we put it in the book in because that the reason this woman was inspired to give back to her community, to be something great was not of any lesson. Mm-hmm. It was not anyone. It was the interaction. It was the staff team in that mm-hmm. moment for her in one of the darkest chapters of her life right. that she heard laughter. Mm-hmm. She listened to them being silly, that she really heard the joy and joy is the most vulnerable emotion, right? Brené Brown talks about this, right? Yeah. You can, it's not grief. It's not anger. It's actually when you're belly laughing. 
Yeah. So when I get to, when I get to be invited into a school, you know, and I get a school tour or like the, there's a principal that says like, oh, let me just show you this or we need to show you the sensory room or we, you know, come into our staff meeting. If there is somebody who's laughing, yes. like if you can just hear somebody cracking up or, or, or if they're like, okay, wait, 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 we got to play a joke on this guy. because he's like, <laughs> really like, Okay. So this is the bulletin board where everybody's like, you know, whatever yes. that is, I know you're, you're going to be yeah. okay. Yeah. I know they're going to be okay. Right. And when it gets to the point where it's overwhelmed, you know, you've lost six students. I mean, I, I had this exact same scenario. Seven students have gone to suicide in the last eight months. Oh, wow. um, a teacher was murdered. An EA was killed. Um, an EA's husband died of a heart attack at the school. Like, you know, the, these things. Lost, and lost, lost. In, yeah. Right. And they're just like, I had the principal, vice principal, and the counselor before I even take my coat off. In tears. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very hard to be in a place where there's joy or connection or hope that there's something that we can do well in this place. So is the answer to sugarcoat it with joy? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It is to acknowledge all the things that they've been through so that we can start to infuse it with joy. Because if you start to just, just Mary Poppins, the fuck out of it, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Right. Fun. Yes. The toxic I- positivity. Yes. And it feels so disingenuine and it doesn't fix a thing because Mm -hmm. we've silenced the voices. Mm -hmm. Bless and block or block and bless, whatever they do now on the Instagram. (laughs) Connection. Come into the hard conversations. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. Now, is there a time to take charge when things are getting out of control? Yes, 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 yes. But we know how to do that. What we don't know how to do very well is the reconnection, the hard Mm -hmm. conversations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And I think um, that whole piece around, I think the grief as well and acknowledging that and acknowledging the context that people are dealing with, I think that is, and even, I just think even this pandemic, that is a huge contextual stressor that is like, it's everywhere. I say like there's COVID dust on everything. And I think to not acknowledge it is a mistake. I think we, we have to, and you do this every, like you were doing that every single day you shepherded. And, and I said this to a number of people, you had such a gift and continue to do so for your community in terms of serving them in, in a way that was consistent. You showed up every single day. And that was a really tough period and not easy to do. And you did it with honesty and authenticity and joy and re like just real. Right. And I just think that was an absolute gift to people. So thank you for that. And it was about, I think just acknowledging the shit. Like that's really for me, what resonated, you had a shitty day with your kids. You shared that with us so that when I was in the midst of like going to you know, yell at my kids. I was like, Oh, okay. We're all in the same boat together. And we do do that. Like everybody's human. And so that was huge. And, and our ability to carry that modeling forward for each other as educators is everything. I think just that vulnerability was everything and, yeah. and your consistency. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I, it was mm-hmm. such a gift. I, I, you know, we started them this morning. I don't know if you saw this morning, but we did, um, I do a live now Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this morning, I mean, I never know what's going to come out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful because my daughter jumped in this morning. She's having so many concerns about how fat she is and she's, oh, eight. oh, oh. I'm losing my mind. Oh. So we had hard conversations about this again and again and again. And, and then we had this idea that we would look in the mirror and say, like, I am beautiful together. Yeah. Right? And she yeah. Do it. I 
I struggled with it. And so I, I brought her on live this morning and she was like, you know, saying into the camera, I am beautiful. And it was so interesting to me because so many people stepping in watching had a hard time saying that to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. and it's like, my gosh, there is the vulnerability there that I think is really like, oh, so it's you too. Yeah. You think that too, or you feel like that too. Okay. And then it's also like the days where we don't have to play small when we're like, I fucking crushed it today. Yeah. I I was on Dave Hollis's podcast, you know, teachers these days is number one. We're in the global mail, uh, you know, amazing, you know, all those kind of things. But I think then it makes it easier to share in the joys when you also share in the distresses. And I think that, you know, that's the trickiest thing, right? Trying to figure out how you do that in not a place that, you know, vulnerability isn't like, um, you know, like this is awful. I'm never going to do anything again. This is like, it's really like, how do we truly acknowledge that when things are hard Mm -hmm. and then celebrate when things are well. And I think that, you know, like that is, that's the balance, right? It's such a bullshit because you never arrive right in the middle. You're either doing this or you're doing this. And if you can just talk about um, wherever you are in that present moment, I think that that's what's so critical. Yeah. And that's human. And I think we connect to that human element in each other and in, and in ourselves. Like, I think you feel the most wholehearted and you feel the most fulfilled when you are being your truest expression. I think that's the biggest, biggest part. And it's hard to be that when you feel guarded. I just want to briefly talk about kids for a second. And it's a bit of a left turn, but it's this idea of the nuts analogy, which I thought was really, really interesting. And I wanted to touch on it briefly, if you can. Um, Just that, that whole idea that when we are doing things, um, we're not always aware that the things that we do could be triggering for, for children. And, and I think that the way that you sum it up is so clear. So I'd, I'd love you maybe just to, to wrap up with that. If you don't mind, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Lori, that's Lori's, uh, mm-hmm. she came up with the nuts, which is so fantastic. And I think here's the thing that I really understand that not only teachers, but teachers more than anybody on the planet really is like, you know, th- this was a whole point about, um, teachers these days is kids these days are theoretical and you'll notice I mean there's so much of overlap between the two books but what we really wanted to do was really put those strategies in place for mm-hmm. teachers these days and I resisted that for so long because I was like no 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 like we can't fix it right like we need to understand from a theoretical perspective where we're at and then you just do what you know how to do mm-hmm. and George Kuros and uh, Lori Mack was like no 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 teachers want to know <laughs> strategies Yes. So she came up with all of these like lovely things that she's worked, you know, used so incredibly well before. Nuts is one of them. And that's what I really just loved about like the, the nuts analogy is it's really like, how do we break it down to those things yeah. to get back to the very basics for our babes? Yes. Really allow us to, to then walk through it with Totally. Them. Totally. And so that whole like the, I think for, for me, what stood out was this whole idea that when you're introducing something that's like novel and unpredictable and like threatening to their ego and that sort of loss of control. Like you don't even, you don't even realize necessarily as an educator that what you're doing, like you're, you're like, I'm just teaching a math class. And then it turns out some of those things are threatening to them or it, yes, it makes their lid flip. Like you say. And so I just think, yeah. When I, sorry, when I said to Lori about like what I love so much about nuts is like, when we think about the novelness, like the newness and the unpredictability of things, it's really like, that's what sets brains off. Yes. So when we start in anything that sort of contains those things, you just know that you and I are speaking the exact same language. Yes. That like 
you know, uncertainty, fear, and no end in sight is really the three things from an emotionally regulated place that sex kids sets kids off. And so when you're going to introduce a new concept, when you're going to introduce something that is like really foreign, yeah, you got to expect that pushback, not because it's your teaching style that's, that's messing it up or not because they're not ready, yeah. not because they're not open to it. It's that, do you have a prefrontal cortex on it? And if they sort of meet that nuts criteria, you know that that's going to be more likely in a place, particularly if there's a trauma history and emotional dysregulation happening for these babies, difficult for them to process. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. Doesn't mean that they can't get to that part of the curriculum. Doesn't mean that you are not the most phenomenal person on the planet. Pay attention to the relationship first. And when we're in that place, when it becomes more familiar, when it becomes more routine, when they've been there before, Mm. they'll pick it up easier. We know Mm -hmm. this to be true. Mm -hmm. So just know that when this is a new curriculum for you, or if this is particularly something that's a new concept for them, they're on shaky ground. Yes. Yes. How do we create that, you know, that, I mean, that scaffolding experience is really about what so many people talk about in education, right? How do I make you feel like you are successful at it so that you're ready to jump up to the next one? And when all of these things come in together, uncertainty, you know, fear, no end in sight, when there's like, it's new and it's unpredictable and all these things are happening together, we have to assume that that's going to take a while to get that brain to get back on track. It's a neurological perspective. It's so important for teachers to know. I just think it's, it's everything. It's so important before, Uh, before I let you go. um, What do you think is one message that teachers need to hear right now? I think more than anything, I've asked this question or not, maybe not this question, this statement, I think so much in the last probably two months is if you only knew. And I would love you to put that on a little sticky note and put it on your desk, on your computer, if you only knew. You are so critically important in this season because in the middle of a crisis, great leaders will rise. We have no choice. Mm -hmm. And I think if you only knew how much you are leading, not only your staff, your students, but communities Mm -hmm. through really disconnected times, if we knew that our you know, waving at the neighbors, that we walked into the staff room tomorrow with a song on our heart, or we, you know, decided to bake Rice Krispie last night, Krispies, and brought them all in for the staff. Like, if you only knew the littlest of acts in this moment will not only change a life, it could save it. Mm. I think this could be the most phenomenal year you've ever had. So for me, it's about that perception shift. And and if you only knew, just do not underestimate your power in this season, because I can't tell you it's, it's exponentially great. Oh, what an important message. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Kindsight 101. Dr. Jody Carrington, you are amazing and inspiration. And I'm so, so grateful we got to chat today. Morgan, Michael, I can't wait. I hope I get number four. (laughs) You bet. You'll get a copy for sure. I can't wait. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21 day kindness challenge and movement, I'd love it. If you would take a minute, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Kind Sight 101, the podcast. For links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number. 
Now, I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gain from this conversation? Head over to our website, smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.